1: On this episode of Drinks with Binks, I'm thrilled to welcome in a man that has made headlines the last few months by shedding light on the uncomfortable. I'm thrilled to welcome in FS1 host, New York Times best-selling author, and former NFL linebacker Emmanuel Acho. We discuss what surprised him, both positively and negatively, about his viral series-turned-book, Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man, why we don't see more black head coaches in the NFL, and how the NFC Championship is airing. Aaron Rodgers game to lose. We're sipping on some sweet, sweet H2O today. This is Drinks with Binks. Hey everyone welcome on into drinks with binks i'm julie stewart binks this is the show that likes to have a conversation with some of the biggest names in sports entertainment and media over a beverage of their choice sometimes we get zany sometimes it's serious but today i expect you to get some food for thought and tonight we are so thrilled to be joined by FS1 host analyst, New York Times bestselling author and former NFL linebacker, Emmanuel Acho. Emmanuel, thank you so much for being with us here today. We are toasting you today with some water, but you've had quite a ride the last six months. Congratulations on really just accomplishing everything anyone could possibly do. How has the journey been like for you? Um,
2: It'd be inexplicable. Um, The journey of, it's funny, usually when people introduce me and they say, you know, former NFL player that has a bit of a sting to it. It's like, man, my biggest accomplishment, it's now former. But now I'm just like, there's been so many other checks that um, have happened to be checked off the list. So 2020, while a very trying year, it was obviously, um, for me, a career-wise propelling year between writing a, a book with Oprah and, 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 and creating a, a TV show um, on, on YouTube and whatnot, a web series. It's just a lot going on, Julie, a lot going on.
1: Yeah, that's got to be pretty surreal to say those words. Uh, working on a book with Oprah, you're a New York Times best-selling author. You create this viral video series, uncomfortable conversations with a black man, and now you've created a movement, really, with it. And having so many of these big-time celebrities and names that, that understand it, tweet about it, that are talking about it. What's maybe been the biggest surprise for you or the biggest thing that stood out or stayed with you from conception of this idea to where everything is now?
2: The biggest surprise would have to be just how galvanizing it was. Um, to put this into context, for those that are unfamiliar, uh, June 1st, I released my first episode, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. I'm sitting by myself in an all-white room, and for 9 minutes, 27 seconds, I just pour out my heart about the, the, the disconnect and the fracture in our country in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Within five days, about 27 million people have seen that episode. I get a call five days later, a no-caller ID number. I pick it up, Julie, and all I hear is, "acho." McConaughey speaking. I want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, McConaughey, is in Matthew McConaughey? He's like, yeah, <laughs> man, I'd love to have a conversation. I was like, well, you know, Matthew, if I can. I said, well, I'll be recording the next episode in about four or five days. He said, let's do it tomorrow. Okay, and McConaughey wants to do it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll do it tomorrow. Um, next thing you know, Oprah calls me um, five days after that and was like, hey, I saw your first episode. I love your work. And I told her, I said, well, Oprah, I'm trying to turn it into a book. He said, books? I love books. Um, and so the biggest surprise would be how galvanizing and comfortable conversations with the black man was. The fact of the most powerful people in our society from the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, who also called me from an no call ID number, to Oprah, to Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey, saw this, were moved by it and said, we want to be a part of the good in this world
1: the names that you're mentioning that just reached out to you to want to have these conversations does really speak to the galvanizing factor that, that while this was an awful thing to happen in society, the murder of George Floyd and, and so many countless other innocent black men and women, but that you've been able to create something good out of it. When you have these conversations, you know we talk about the surprise in a good way, but what's been maybe something that surprised you in not so good a way?
2: Nothing has surprised me negatively, but things have uh, made me more disheartened. I think when I realize just how far we still must go, um, when I see events that occurred on January 6th, um, I'm just disheartened because I'm like, man, it's so unfortunate that some people still don't see it. See, some people don't acknowledge that there is a racial disconnect, a racial divide. Um, Some people don't acknowledge that there is still oppression or discrimination against sexes, against races, against religions. And, and so I'm not shocked by it, but I'm just saddened or disheartened uh, when I see like, man, we still have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, and to that point, I'd wanted to ask you, we are recording this the day before Joe Biden's inauguration. And you mentioned January 6th and the events that happened at the Capitol with people storming there, the terrorism that occurred. But there are many people that are almost trying to equate as a false equivalency, that to the protesting of Black Lives Matters. When you have an uncomfortable conversation with someone about this, What would you say on this topic?
2: Um, that's That's a tough question. I think that there is obviously, there's a difference in, everybody has talked so much about white privilege and to simply define it, to take some of the sting off of the term, white privilege isn't saying your life hasn't been hard. It's saying your skin color hasn't been a contributing factor to the difficulty of your life as a white person, your life has most definitely been hard, just like as any other human being, because life is hard. However, your whiteness hasn't contributed to that difficulty, whereas for the most part, black people, their blackness has made their life harder. So what would I say about what occurred on January 6th? I would say that although we talk about white privilege, we must also talk about white perception. And I think January 6th really brought to the forefront of all of our eyes it, there is a difference in how white people are perceived versus how black people are perceived Mm -hmm. in this country. Historically, in this country, black people have been viewed as a threat. Um, We have been called a threat even when innocent and white people even when threatening have been called innocent. And I think we have seen that now for hundreds of years continue to permeate our, our membranes, if you will, continue to be passed down from from generation to generation, so that even now you can see a group of black people, though some may be protesting, the entire group at large will be viewed as threatening or dangerous. Mm -hmm. A a group of white people, um, though some may be innocent, a a dominant group of large appears to be dangerous. And so I think really when I look at those, those two instances, I'm reminded of white perception as opposed to just white privilege.
1: Right, and that is, in a way, a byproduct of systemic racism, of how we have this lens of which we view two very, very different movements in this society, Uh, one for good and one for evil, um, to put an actual weighting on it, in my opinion. And so that is uh, is something that, that we still do have to work you know, very hard on. And I know even as a white person trying to explain white privilege to some of my friends and to people that have, have been on this show before too, that, that are like, but my life was difficult or I had this and it's like, yeah, but imagine your life being difficult and now having to deal with race and the color of your skin working against you in that manner. So it is, it is interesting that like, we have to have these, these conversations that we feel that we're, that that seems so simple to some people, but to others it is is so difficult for them to see. But you having these conversations and bringing it to the forefront has done so much for so many people that perhaps maybe never would have even looked at it in this way. But we have many more things you want to look at and talk about with Emmanuel Acho, New York Times bestselling author, Fox Sports 1 host and analyst when we return on Drinks With Binks.
2: I'm Michael Smith, and I'm proud to say that I had drinks with Binks Six of them to be exact.
1: <laughs> hey, it's Carrie Champion, and I had so much fun with Drinks
0: with Binks. She is clearly my favorite white person.
1: My favorite white woman. My favorite blonde. Watch her show. Welcome back to Drinks with Banks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We have New York Times best-selling author, Fox Sports 1 analyst, host, and former linebacker in the NFL, Emmanuel Ancho, with us here today. We are hydrating. We are getting ready for, uh, you know, big NFL playoff season that is only four teams left, which is very exciting. Also very sad at the same time, too. <laughs> but um, you are uh, so multidimensional. And we're, we're discussing the fact that you have this book and this platform with the uncomfortable conversations with the black man. And you also have a show on FS1, Speak for Yourself with Marcellus Wiley. You were with ESPN, you decided to go to FS1. How come you decided to take your talents to Fox? (laughs)
2: Um, I, I try to go where opportunity presents itself, both from a micro level and from a macro level. And at the point in which I had now an opportunity to host my own show, As a former athlete, you can't turn that down. Society will try to put you in a box in general. Society will say that you can and can only do this. Think about how many former players are instantly turned into analysts. Well, you're a player, be an analyst. I'm like, wait, but what if I'm capable of more? What if I'm capable of hosting? So at the point in which I had an opportunity to host a show, it's a no brainer, particularly people forget most of these shows are reserved for Hall of Famers, Pro Bowl players, all pro players. I played four years in the National Football League and started a handful of games, so my talent had to speak for itself. I couldn't just let my football resume and accolades. And so the chance in which at 29 years old, which I was at the time, had the opportunity to, to host a show, it was an absolute no-brainer
1: yes i agree when i was presented with the opportunity to host my own show i felt the same way you gotta i didn't play i have done nothing so i was like yep I don't know who's thinking about this, but I will certainly <laughs> say yes to that. Now, for, for you, you know, you mentioned um, you, you have, you're so much more than what you did on the gridiron, and you have these just incredible opinions and, and thoughts and takes on the game, and you aren't afraid to talk about politics and sports. What sort of, from a TV, a TV host standpoint, your approach to discussing when the two of them intersect?
2: Well, the, 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 the operative idea right there is when the two of them intersect. I, I won't just make a sports show political because if people want to watch politics, they can turn on a political show. They're coming to me to watch a sports show, but I'm not ignorant of the fact that at times, sports and politics do in fact intertwine. Um, we spoke of the January 6th uh, events in Capitol Hill. I didn't talk about that on my sports show. Other sports shows do. But I'm like, you know what? There was no sports crossover there. However, this summer's incidents with George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, at the point in which athletes are stopping their sport because what is occurring is affecting the athlete. It's affecting the sport. We got to talk about that. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to that. Um, You see the lack of diversity in NFL hiring at the point in which that is now affecting sports. We got to talk about that. And so I don't turn blind eyes to politics when they do intersect with sports. But at the same time, I don't just reach for divisive content um, whenever I can find it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you do see some different platforms doing that in in, on both different sides of the coin. And how is it, though? I mean, I. I work for a company that my boss just, she, she lets me drink on the show, right? So I I, mean, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I, think, I think there's boundaries. I haven't found them quite yet. But for you, you know, when you're working at a company, when you're working at Fox, uh, you know, we have the inauguration this week. Let's say athletes are talking about it. Uh, how, what is the message from them to you guys on how you discuss it?
2: Uh, Oftentimes, we do have a lot of freedom. It's just be calculated with your speech. But when you're an adult, you're an adult. Like, you're paid to be a TV person. So speak eloquently, speak wisely, and think before you speak. And for me, I don't need anyone to tell me what to say because I'm conscious of my own brand. I'm conscious of my own platform. I've built now a brand based upon properly, succinctly, thoroughly, and educatedly talking about racism and politics and tough topics like these. So the leash at Fox is really fairly long. It's just be wise, use discernment because you're representing yourself, but you're also representing a company.
1: Right. That is uh, salient advice for anyone who is out there working in television. And we, when we look at the NFL right now, at this point in the week, there's still two coaching vacancies, head coaching vacancies. And the biggest topic has been the number of... Black coaches that are available and that are capable and that have all the credibility and experience to be head coaches in the NFL. And there's two vacancies at this moment left as we are shooting this on a Tuesday with the Eagles and with the Texans. We're trying to figure out how we can get people that are these general managers that are white guys and owners most for the most part that usually hire people that look like them that sound like them that are part of their old boys club which are usually white guys how we sort of break this cycle and and have more diversity and have more of these black head coaches in these positions how do you approach this because i know you're probably asked a lot of the time to help figure out the answer which you you shouldn't have to but but how do we stop the cycle of sort of the same old white boys club continuing
2: well one we have to understand why it does continue you can't fix a problem that you don't know exists. So the first thing you have to do is acknowledge the problem exists and why it exists. Contrary to common belief, more often than not, the NFL is not based off a meritocracy. It's not the person who works the hardest gets the job it's based on nepotism you hire your family and cronyism you hire your friends and that's oftentimes what we see between nfl owners general managers head coaches offensive coordinators defensive coordinators etc so now that we acknowledge it's not necessarily based off meritocracy but rather nepotism and cronyism how can we fix that i personally was a fan of Um, the, The Rooney rule, but not only the Rooney rule, the incentivization, which we heard of last year, if you hire a black head coach, black general manager, you will receive multiple compensatory draft picks. I was a fan of that because the best person doesn't get the job. So you have to incentivize people to do something that they otherwise would not do. You know, some of the pushback had been, well, Emmanuel, that's not fair. Shouldn't the best person get the job? Why would you hire a black person just because you get additional picks? But you got to look at it. Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record at Texas Tech. How do you have a losing record as a college head coach and become an NFL head coach? Now, maybe he can prove to have earned that job, but he definitely didn't deserve it. And so we have to acknowledge first that People who are not deserving of head coaching jobs do, in fact, get head coaching jobs. So Mm -hmm. let's throw that out the window. Now, if we want to try to progress as a sport and increase diversity, then you have to incentivize people to do something that they otherwise wouldn't do
1: right that is uh, an incredible point there and there are a number of of people sort of fall up in the industry in a way based on as you mentioned nepotism and cronyism and having these different factors in place of which we do need to find a way to fix and to stop the cycle um we've got a whole lot more that we want to get to with emmanuel we're hitting all the big topics here all the hard-hitting topics on drinks with banks and we're drinking water too so our minds are here. Don't go anywhere, folks, because we'll be back after this break.
2: What's good, everybody? This is Jerome Baker, Miami Dolphins linebacker. Um, I spent my bye week with Drink with Binks. It was water, but uh, you never know. You never know what was in it, but uh, let's just say it was water. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Everybody, it's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right,
2: we love talking about soccer. We're wild, we're silly, we have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8pm. That's right, Fubo Sports Network, do it.
1: Hey everybody, it's Alex Flanagan. I had drinks with Binks. Kind of. Does coffee count? I'm hoping maybe she'll invite me back for an evening episode so we can crack a bottle of wine next time. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got Emmanuel Acho here, host on FS1. We're getting ready for championship weekend, AFC championship. We got bills. Let's go Bills Mafia. It's Canada's Toronto's team versus the Chiefs. We're not sure about Patrick Mahomes' status at this point. Can the Bills beat a Chiefs team with a healthy Patrick Mahomes?
2: Oh, they absolutely can. Now, will they? That's different. But when you think about the Bills, they can win flashy. Their last three games, they put up 50 points, 30 points, and 40 points. They were in every category. Then you look at their game against the Ravens, their last three regular season games, that is. Then you look at their last game against the Ravens, they won ugly. They won with defense. The kicker here is very simple. You're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes in a shootout. And last game against the Ravens, the Bills did not even attempt to run the ball until the three-minute mark in the second quarter. For the first time in playoff history in the last 60 years, they didn't attempt to run in the first quarter. You're not beating Patrick Mahomes like that. So can the Bills win? Most definitely. But they're going to have to go back and find a new blueprint because you're not beating Patrick Mahomes in a shootout.
1: Yes, that is going to be very difficult. Uh, Another great game we have, matchup NFC Championship, going to be on your network on Fox. We've got Brady, we've got Rodgers. Is this Aaron Rodgers game to lose?
2: I would say yes for a couple reasons. The first, playing at Lambeau is hard. I played at Lambeau in 2014 for for the Eagles. It's one thing to lose a game. That's tough. It's another thing to be losing in the freezing cold weather. See that is devastating. So playing at Lambo is hard. Tom Brady already said he doesn't like the cold. He doesn't want to go up north. And two, I think Aaron Rodgers has that chip on his shoulder. He knows just how bad he played in that first matchup, losing 38 to 10 throwing an interception for a touchdown. He's only done that 3 times in his career. So I do think it's Aaron Rodgers game to lose. I think Aaron Rodgers is played better throughout the duration of this season than Tom Brady he has home field advantage he's seen them before I would assume that they can step up to the plate
1: it will be very exciting these two quarterbacks facing each other in the playoffs for the first time we are just getting some incredible matchups and actually stay tuned guys after this quick break we're going to find out who Emmanuel Acho thinks will be in the big dance don't go anywhere this is drinks with things <sighs> What's up everybody? My name's Jackie Redmond and I had non-alcoholic drinks with Binks. It was still fun. Boo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey everybody, it's uh, Eddie Olczyk from the NHL on NBC and the Chicago Blackhawks television uh, network and uh, I'm very proud and excited to have an drinks with banks
1: hey guys we've had a very uh, informational and um interesting time great sound bites by the way from emmanuel actual here tv guy of course drinking and binking on drinks with banks but before you go got to find out who do you think is going to make it to the super bowl and win it all
2: Who do I think? I'm going to go with the Chiefs versus the Packers. Give America what they want. Probably the two most talented quarterbacks the game would have ever seen in Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, strictly as far as physical ability, not championships. And I picked the Chiefs to win it all from day one, so I'm going with the Chiefs again.
1: Yeah, the young guy and the old guy, the original matchup. It would be very exciting. We can't really lose with any of these except for Tom Brady in the Bucks, because that would be blah, blah, blah. But where can we find you next? Where, uh, where can people see all of your great social media content?
2: Yeah, all my content is at Emmanuel, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Acho. So at my first name, my last name, for all great things on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook.
1: And Emmanuel Acho is an amazing follow on all different social media platforms as well. Make sure to check out com, where you can find more on his book, Uncomfortable Conversations with, with the Black Man, which has been on the New York Times bestsellers list in the top 10 since it came out on the market, which is pretty incredible if i do say so myself what else is incredible fubo social you guys can find more episodes of drinks with banks and all of our other incredible shows on twitter youtube and instagram and subscribe to our youtube account bottoms up bitches we'll see you next time
3: it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust